This week's parsha is Parshas Vayigash. The parsha says in Parak Memhei Pasuk Chavzayin, Vayares HaGolais Asher Sholach Yosef Loseis Aisoi Vatechi Ruach Yaakov Avihem. That Yaakov, when he received word about Yosef being alive, he was a little skeptical. But then when he saw the Agolos that Yosef sent to him, then Yaakov was revived, he was revitalized, he was resuscitated, he felt, ah, Baruch Hashem, Yosef is still alive. So what does this mean? What happened exactly to make Yaakov Avinu realize that Yosef was alive? So Rashi says, Simon Masalayan, there was a simon, there was a password, there was a code that was given by Yosef to the brothers to relay to Yaakov Avinu. And that is that the Mahaya Isaac Kishapirish Mimenu. What were they busy with? What was Yaakov and Yosef busy learning together when they parted ways so many years ago, some twenty two years ago? They were busy with the Parsha of Egla Rufa. Egla Rufa is the parsha in the Torah, and it's spoken about in Masechah Saita, in the last parak, how if a person is discovered dead between two cities, and it's not clear um, who killed him, so Sanhedrin comes and measures the distance of the body to the closest city, and that closest city, the best in that city has to go, the Ziknei Ha'ir, and they have to make a public declaration saying that we didn't kill this person. And the Gemara asks, well, is there a Hava, meaning that these Ziknei Ha'ir actually killed him? He says, no, we didn't kill them, meaning we didn't, we had nothing to do with his demise. We didn't know that he was leaving the city. Had we known, um, we would have escorted him out. We would have given him food to eat. We had no idea, so we're not responsible. And then they have to go and, and break the neck of, a, of an Egla, and that's the parsha of Kapara of Egla Rufa. So they were busy learning this sugya, Yaakov and Yosef, as they were parting ways. Yosef, in order to remind Yaakov that he was alive, gave him this simon that remember now what we were learning when we left one another, the parsha of Egla Rufa. Yosef didn't send the Agolos, the wagons. Power was the one, if you look in the parasha, that it was his idea to send the wagons to Yaakov Avinu. So what does it mean, Asher Shalach Yosef? Yosef gave a simon. The word Egla could mean wagon, but it could also mean the Egla Rufa. So he was sending a simon to his father, I'm alive, and the Raya is the fact that only I could know that we were busy learning the parish of Egla Rufa, so when Yaakov heard Egla Rufa, immediately he was revived, he was happy, Baruch Hashem Yosef must still be alive. I saw brought down um, in, in a few svarim, they're machaving to the same thing, how did Yaakov Vinu know that it was really Yosef? Maybe Yosef told somebody, that, uh, that we were busy learning the parsha of Egla Rufa together. Mechitesi, that just because they said the words Egla Rufa, that, that was a raya that Yaakov knew 100% that Yosef was still alive. So they bring a maisa that's told during the time of the Gra that there was a, a wife who just got married, a young woman, and her husband 
went away on a business trip and he was gone for like many, many years. They didn't know what happened to him. And five years went by and 10 years went by and 15 years went by. All of a sudden, one day, you know, she was in Aguna for 15 long years and one day, a man comes back to town and says, ah, I'm back and you're my wife. And he didn't really look familiar. Back in those days, they didn't have pictures, they didn't have cameras. So, you know, today you just take out a wedding album and you see whether or not this is the same guy. But back then, there was really no way to tell. And 15 years is a long time. He looked maybe a little bit similar to my husband. I can't really... They weren't able to remember exactly whether or not that was the husband or not. So they went to the Vilna Gaya. On one hand, they're very happy. She gets her husband back. She's no longer in Aguna. But on the other hand... There was something gnawing at them that, I don't know if this is really him. So they went to the guy to ask for an eight, so how are we going to be able to determine whether or not this is the husband or not? And the Vilna Gain said to them an Eitza, and they followed the Eitza. What was the Eitza? The Eitza was that they went together Friday night to Shul, the father-in-law and this new, this husband that came back. They came into shul together, and the father-in-law said to this son-in-law that you just go up to the seat. I'll be there. I'll be there momentarily. I just have to tell the guy by something. I have to get a sitter. I have to get a safer. You go up to the seat where you know. Go to Amakim Kavua. And the guy had no idea where the Makim Kavua was, even though a normal son, even after 15 years, you'd read, that's something that you would remember. You'd basically remember where your father-in-law sat in Shul and where he used to sit together. But he wasn't able to, and they realized that it was all a hoax, and that what happened was that this person that came back and said to the wife that, you know, I'm the husband, he was roommates with the real husband for many years, and they spoke about, you know, all of the intimate details of the life, and, and he relayed those to this girl and the family, and that's what convinced them that perhaps he was the right person, but something was still wrong. So the Vilna guy said, you know, what, when you're dealing with Rishon, so, and then that guy, something happened to the husband, he didn't come home, or he died, so this guy wanted to sort of just take over for that guy's life, and he came back to the home of, of this girl. And the guy says that when you're roommates with somebody and you're not exactly the firmest people, so then you'll speak about all the intimate details where you went on a honeymoon and, you know, your, uh, you know I don't know what your uh, birthdays are and, and, you know, different secrets, different details. That's something that you might share, but you're not talking about from religious things. You're not going to say, yeah, and we used to sit, mamish, on the Mizrach band on the first seat. You know, that's not something that, that people would talk about if they're not really from. And obviously this person wasn't from, this is the Vilna Gain's, you know, genius to be able to expose this guy for the, for the faker that he was. And so these Svarim bring down that that's how Yaakovinu knew that when Yosef gave over a simon of what they were learning about, it had to be Yosef. Because it was somebody that was trying to play Yosef and trying to, Yosef, he wouldn't know, he wouldn't be interested in the details of what was what they were learning when they left. That's a religious thing. That's something that a Russia would not be interested in hearing about, knowing about. That's not something that was interesting to him. So when Yaakov Avinu heard about Egla Rufa, all of a sudden his eyes lit up 
And he says, okay, now I want to go down and see Yosef in Mitzrayim. Now, about this parsha of Egla Rufa that they were busy with, so the Pashtus in Rashi, I think, is that they were, Yosef and Yaakov used to learn a lot together. They were very close, and they were, uh, they were Chavrusas. And when they were parting ways, this is what they were busy learning. They were learning the parsha of Egla Rufa. And I have a Rebbe, um, he was Nifter many years ago, but he was a brilliant, brilliant Talmachacham. He was a Rebbe in Kol Teira in Eretz Yisrael. He was one of the greatest Talmidim uh, to come out of Panovich. He wrote many Svarim by the name of Masas Hamela. His name was Reb Shimon Meisha Diskin. And um, he wrote brilliant Svarim, like when he was already very young, he wrote on Rambam's, like a you know, very brisk Taira, like a brilliant, brilliant Talmachacham. And he was very... Uh, you know, he's just a, he's just a, a wonderful person. And in his Sefer, he says a great chak. Not on this parsha, but in the parsha a few weeks ago, when it says that, Vayav, Yaakov es Yosef, Yaakov loved Yosef, ki ben zakunim hulai, because he was a ben zakunim for him. Which means that he was a child who was born to him at an older age. We know that when a father has a child, um, when he's already older, there's something special about that child to the father. So he's called the Ben Zakunim. He's like my, you know, the la- when I was much late, older in life, I had a baby, that's something special. So Ben Zakunim, the Balaturim says, what is this word Ben Zakunim? Zakunim, he says, is Rashi Tevis. Zion is Zraim. It's a Seder in Shas. Kof is Kachim. Nun is, nosh, is Nezikin. Yud is Yeshua's. Yud is Yeshua's, which is Nashim. And then Mem is Mayid. So Ben Zakunim, the Balaturim, presumably is saying that this is what they learned together. They learned five starim of Shas together. Which Seder was not included in this Remez? Tyrus. Tyrus is not there. Why wasn't Tyrus included in it? So. So the Masa Melech says, because in the olden days, he proves this, that in the olden days they learned together Kisidron, meaning it was sort of like Dafyaimi. They didn't learn, they didn't jump around and learn Ksubis and then Baba Kama and then Baba Metziah and then Kedushin. They would learn Brachis and then, you know, they'd learn Mamash al Seder, Hashash, Shabbos and Erevin and etc. They would learn Kisidron. And so they started together with Seder Zerayim and they went straight through. But he says that they didn't complete Seder Taras. How do you know? Because Egla Rufa is, he says, even though we have Egla Rufa in, in, in Seder Nashim by, in, in Masecha Saita, but he says that really the proper place for Egla Rufa, which is talking about Tomas Mace, there was a Mace that was found, it's really in Tyrus. That's really the proper place, and he proves it. And he says that this is a great Raya that they were learning together Egla Rufa. They weren't finished with Seder Tyrus. They would have made a Siyamashas shortly thereafter, but then Yosef disappeared for 22 years. And now Yosef is saying that this is what we were up to. We were holding almost at the end of Shas. We were learning Egla Rufa, and then I had to go. So according to that shot, Egla Rufa is just simply where they were holding in terms of their Sidre Halimud. The Dats that came to me by Tysus in this week's parasha, though, says differently. He says, 
who's to say, if that's really just what they happen to have been learning at the time that they left, who's to say, how did Yasef know definitively that Yaakov would remember what they were learning? It's 22 years, a long time. Yaakov, you know, presumably was going through Shas many, many times. Who's to say that by just saying Egla Rufo, that's going to say, oh yeah, Taka, we were learning Egla Rufo. Who says, Mechatei, so that Yaakov would know. Zokti Tasik Henry Balitaisus, and it's quoted by the Maral in the Guraria here. He says that it's not the shot that they were up to that in their learning. They weren't. They were, they were doing other things. But when what happened was Yaakov Avinu insisted, and he proves this from Sukkim, it says, he sent him off. Yaakov walked Yasef a very long distance when he was escorting him to go to see how the brothers were doing. Yaakov himself, the Chvedah was Malaveh Yasef. There's a mitzvah of Levoi that when you have when you're when somebody's taking leave of another person, you're supposed to not just say, "Okay, bye, have a good day," but you're supposed to actually walk with that person. Yaakov escorted Yosef a long distance, and this is all what the Bali Taisa said. And so Yosef was saying, "Listen, Tati, go home. It's enough. You don't have to walk me so far. You're an old man, and you know I'll be okay." He says, "No, we learn from Egla Rufa," says Yaakov Avinu, "that you have to escort somebody out of town." Because we see that when the body was found in a city, near a city, the Ziknayir has to come and say, we are not responsible for killing this person because we didn't see him and not escort him. And the Gemara says that if you don't escort somebody out of town, it's Kilu Shafat Damod. It's as if you killed him. You have to, in order to protect the life of somebody, you have to escort him. And the Gemara says that if you do escort the person... He's not going to be harmed on the way. It's only when you don't escort him, and we'll see soon why that is, but if you don't escort somebody, he could be harmed. But if you do escort somebody, he won't be. So Yaakov was saying, I'm escorting you so that nothing should happen to you. And then it was quite the opposite. As the story unfolds, Taraf, Taraf, Yasef, Yasef was, you know, assumed to be dead, and for many years, there was a chayim against telling Yaakov, Yaakov was unaware of the whereabouts of his son, Yasef, which is peculiar. After all, he escorted him the proper shear. So, this was what was on Yaakov Avinu's mind all these years. What happened to the Avtocha of Chazal? That if you escort a person, he's not going to be harmed. To which Yasef sends a simon, Ega Arufa. Remember, I know that that's still on your mind. I know that you're wondering why if you escorted me as the Pasha that La Rufa proves that you should be prote- I should have been protected, I should be alive. Guess what? I am alive. Baruch Hashem, I'm alive, I'm well. Not only am I alive and well, but I'm the Moshe B'chareh's Mitzrayim. The Haftacha that La Rufa is still good. You shouldn't question, you shouldn't be skeptical about the Haftacha that La Rufa. Egla Rufa is Chayvatayim. That's how the Maral brings the Dasakim. He doesn't quote the Dasakim, he says Yesh Mefarshim, but he clearly is referring to the Dasakim Nivalitesis on the spot, which says that this is what the, this is what the underpinnings of this, uh, of this simon that Yasef was mustered to him was. I want to discuss a little bit the Indian of Levoy, and what is, what's so important about this mitzvah being Malave 
uh, somebody, a guest in your house. The Rambam in Hilchas Avel in Parak Yudalad brings all of the mitzvahs of chesed. So he brings Hachmasus Archim and Levayas Hames, and he brings Bigar um, Chaylem uh, and being Menachem Avel, all of these very, very important mitzvahs of chesed. He says they're all nichol under behatlo yecha And then he says that what's the most important of all of those mitzvahs? If I would ask you, you know, if I gave you a list of bigger chayel, um, you know, uh, being menachem avel and being mevaker, all these great, great mitzvahs, what's the most important of all? I, I'd venture to say that nobody would guess what the Rambam calls us is the greatest of all of these mitzvahs. He says, The schar that you get for escorting a guest out of your home is greater than all of the above. This is the chayk, this is the law that Avram Avinu gave to us. And this is the derech hachesed. We know that Avram Avinu had what was called Eshel Avram, the Torah calls it. What is an Eshel? Eshel was either a tree or it was a lodge. It was an inn that Avram Avinu had. And Rashi brings that it's Rashi Tevis. What is the Rashi Tevis of Eshel? Achila, Shvia, and either Lina or Levaya. Which means that there's three components to being a hospitable host. You have to give your guests food to eat, drink, and also at the end of the experience, you have to even allow them outside of your house. You have to escort them out. And the greatest of all of these mitzvahs is the mitzvah of Levaya, to escort him out. And we learn this from Rabbi Mavino. Michael he used to feed people that were wayfarers, that were walking on the road. son, he would give them to drink. son. And then he would escort them out. He says that Levayam, to be Malava, the Ramam says, is greater than even being machnis them into your home. Amru Chachamim, Kalshain Malava, Litalmida, Kalshain Malava, Kilo Ibn Avedizara. If you're not Malava, you're a guest, it's like you're Ibn Avedizara. Vikamr Shir Levia, what is the Shir of being Malava somebody? So it depends who you're being Malava. Harav Talmidai, if a Rebbe is being Malava Talmud out of his home, Ad Ibura Shalir, that's until the Ibur of the city. You have to go until the city limits with your Talmud. For if you're escorting your friend out of your home, Ad Chum Shabbos, you have to go until the Chum Shabbos. The Talmud Rabbi, if a Talmud is escorting his Rebbe out, Ad Parsa. That's a very long distance. A parsa is like four mil. And if it's your Rabbi Mubak, if it's your extraordinary Rabbi, your special Rabbi, your unique Rabbi, that's a full three parsais, about 12 mil. Very long distance. You have to be Malava, your Rabbi. That's what the Rambam says. So we see from here a very important thing. That the mitzvah of Levoy, for some reason is more important than all the other mitzvahs of chesed. It's more important even in the mitzvah of Achmas itself. You would think that, you know, the eating and the drinking, that's the main thing. 
but for some reason, if you're not Milava a person, it's Kiyu or even Abedizara, it's like it's worthless, almost. And in fact, there's a story, we'll say another Maisa with the Gra. It's a very well known Maisa, and it's something that really bothered me. Since I was, I, I heard this Maisa from the Gra, you know, maybe when I was a teenager, it always bothered me. And I'm not saying that I have a, a great chat in it, but I have a chat at least. There's a, a Balabas in Vilna. And this Balabas was somebody who was world famous for being a Machnas Ayra. All the Yeshiva Bachram and Vilna, whenever they needed a place to go on Shabbos, they would go to this host and he would give them beautiful meals, meat and, 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 and drink and chalas and the whole nine yards. He, he treated them magnificently. And one day, his house burned down. And they couldn't understand it. Nobody could. If there's one person who Dafka should not have his house burned down, it's this person. He did so much good in that house. He was, he was, he was such a great Mach And they went to the guy and they said, what's the Midah Kinegah Midah? Why did this happen? Why is it that this person deserved to have his house burned down? So the Gros says, was he a person that gave you to eat? Oh, you should have seen the food that he gave us. It was unbelievable. And what about drink? Oh, drink was unbelievable. Soda and uh, schnapps and wine. Whatever you wanted, we, we got there. He says, what about Levi? At the end of the meal, was he malava you out the door? And they scratched their head and said, no, he never did that. He just sort of said, good Shabbos, and we walked out ourselves. So the, gr- the gross said, that's the chap. He says, we know that there's a concept called an eshel. An eshel is achila, shtia, and levaya. So if you have all of that, then you're following, like the Ramam says, the chayk shechakikra avram avinu. But if you don't have the lamed of levoy, what's left? Esh. There's a fire, and the fire consumes. And this story sounds cool, but if you stop and think about it a little bit, it's very troubling, because... What does that mean? It means that had he never been Machnesayrach, you know, let's say he would have been a miser and never had anybody in his house, he'd be okay, his house would be fine. But because he went out of his way and he was, he gave them to eat and he gave them to drink and now he just wasn't malava them, so, alright, so he wasn't malava them, so he didn't, he didn't perfect the mitzvah. But for that he deserves, Aish, what's, what's going on over here? I don't have a good shot, I'll tell you right, right away. But, I think that a pshat might be just a little bit of a, just to give us a little bit of a, an understanding and what's going on, what, why the mitzvah of Levaya is so important, is that when a person is machnas ayach, when a person has guests in his house, there's a lot of shalayla shema potentially taking place. A lot of people, they like having, you know, guests over. Why? Because when I have guests over my house, I feel important. I feel like I'm the person that's feeding you, I'm giving you to drink, you are, you have to be appreciative to me, you have to listen to my Divrei Taira, you have to listen to me sing Zmiris, there's a famous Misa with Rav Shach, there Rav Shach was, uh, when he was a buffer in Yeshiva, they didn't have Yeshivas like we have, you go up to the fourth floor and you, you know, you eat Suda Shlem in those days, they didn't have the yeshivas. Was basically a base medrash. That was it. They didn't have a dormitory, and they didn't have food. And so you would have to go to people in the community, and it was called eating teg. 
tag me a tag means a day. So that means that they have generous, nice people in the community that would agree, okay, Tuesdays, you know, we'll take five boys and we'll we'll feed them on supper, lunch and supper Tuesdays. And then Wednesday you'd go to another person. And Thursday on Shabbos, you know, you'd go to a different Balabatim every Shabbos. So there was a Balabas that invited Rav Shach and his friends to eat by him Friday night. And those were days that there was poverty. Like the Bachar and Mamish had no food to eat. And they were starving, literally. And here they were invited to a very nice home. And before they were given to eat, and they were all like chalash, and they smelled the chalash already, and the fish, and whatever. But this Balabas was like, he was singing Eishas and he was singing Riba and Kalalama, and he kept on like singing and singing. These boys were mamish famished. And Rav Shach was like, you know, going crazy, like, like, serve us food already. You could do this later. But he didn't, obviously, you're, in, you're at somebody's house, you can't insult the person. But this person's wife was smart enough to come in and say, do you think that these boys came to hear you singing? Says, these boys didn't hear you come to hear your beautiful voice. They came to eat a square meal. So stop the singing, let's make kiddush, give them some bread, give them some fish, and then, and then you want to sing, you can sing. Rav Shaki always repeat this story over because you have to be very sensitive. It's very easy for a Balabayas, you know, to say, oh, they're in my house, now, you know, they're on my watch, I gotta, you know, I can do whatever I want, if they, they run by my time, and my minhagim. The Chavetz Chaim, it says that, in, in, in Svarim, it says that, he used to, um, whenever he had guests over that were poor and, and hungry, he would not sing Shalom Aleichem until after the, the, the guests had already food in their stomach. And he said that the reason was because angels, we know, don't eat. So, you know, but, but human beings do eat. So why should I sing Shalom Aleichem to the angels when I have human beings that are hungry? Let me first give them to eat. And then afterwards, I'll sing Shalom Aleichem to the end, but they have to wait a little bit until human beings that need to eat can eat. That's exceptional people. People that realize that Achnas Aleichem is not something, you know, it's not about me, but it's about the guests. But very often, naturally speaking, there is, it's Kishmak to be a Machnas It's nice, you know, you get married, and now you have your own dining room set, and you have your own, you know, a nice tablecloth, and nice dishes, and your wife makes nice food, and you have, you have Bachim coming over, you have other couples coming over, and it's nice, it's, you feel like a Balabas, you feel, ah, oh, this is what I was waiting for, for so many years, I wanted to be the Balabas. And now you get to play house a little bit, and you get the, you know, there's something nice about that. So Achila and Shia is not really so clear that you're doing like a mitzvah of chesed. It's a chesed for you. You want to be the balabas. You want to feed them and show them how delicious your cooking is and, you know, how your, your children cook off and your, 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 your bake sale or whatever it is that you're doing. You know, those are things that, you know, it's, it's kosher for you. What's the point in Achnasus Archim that, that really sheds light on your intention the entire time? The point... At the end of the meal, after you've given them all the food and all the drink, and you've said you did very tired, and you've said your your zmiras, and everything is done, and now you have to escort them out of your house. And sometimes it's raining, and sometimes it's very cold, and sometimes it's very hot. And now I have to go, and I just want to, you know, clear the table and go to sleep. I don't want to deal anymore. You're done. I, I used you already. But when a person is able to then go and take that extra step, 
and escort the guests out of their house, whether it's Dalad Amis, or whether it's Adibur Shal'ir, or it's Tchum Shabbos, if you're able to do that, that shows that the Achila and the Shtia were also Lishma. Because here I'm doing something selfless for a change. I'm doing something that I'm showing it's not for my own good. I'm going out of my way for you. I could just easily say, Kachabas, Kachabas, and let the person go. Or I could actually show them that I care about them, I'm concerned about them, and walk them out of my door. And when you do that, that shows that the whole Aisha is complete. When a person just does Achila and Shia, now it sort of puts into question his entire motivation for Achilas Hazarchim. And maybe it's just a personal exercise in Kavad and Gaiva and being a Balabas. And I think maybe that's a little bit of an understanding of what the Grah was saying. That if he didn't do Levaya, so then it shows that the whole Achilas Hazarchim was somewhat deficient. There was something missing in the entire Achilas Hazarchim. And then you're left with Aish. Whatever that means, you're left with Aish. You know, there's a, Aish means Taiva. Normally when you speak about fire, it's a, there's a Taiva. I have a Taiva to invite guests because it's good for me. It's nice to show, you know, my family, I'm popular, I'm accepted, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a host, I'm important. Levaya is the one thing that goes and sheds light on the entire process of Achlan Sachem and says, I'm doing it all the Shema. I'm doing it not for myself, but I'm doing it because there are indigent people or people that need a square meal and I'm here to provide that for them. The Levaya is that mitzvah that's able to show how chashev, how much you're mashiv those archem that you were zaycha to have in your home. Now what is exactly the import of Levaya? Why is Levaya accomplish what we said before, that it enables a person to not be harmed on the way. What, what, what does it do? So I understand, you know, if I escort the person all the way from, from my home to his home, and I make sure, you know, that no one starts up with him on the way, that's obviously great. But Levaya, this Gemara seems to be saying, and the Mashal says it, that it's even talking about if you do the bare minimum of Levaya, if I walk a guy, Dalad Amis, out of my house, which is the bare minimum Today it's a machlekes apeskim, whether or not there's even a mitzvah of levaya, parenthetically, because since the roads are very dangerous, you're not even machliv to put yourself in a makam sakana. But basically, I think most people are naive to at least go Dalad Amis outside of their home. So if I walk Dalad Amis outside of my home with my guests, so what is that? That's like 8 feet, 10 feet? How is that going to help him when he starts getting on the Jackie Robinson you know, and, you know and, and he's met with some people, you know, some unsavory type of people, how exactly is that going to help him be protected? What does it do? If, I, if I'm a lava person a little bit, how is that going to provide protection for him? That you can honestly say, I'm not responsible if something happens to him. I did my levite. What would you do for him? You walked a couple of amas with him. How is that helping so the Masha explains in Saita and Memvav that the way it works is it's sort of like a, um, a metaphysical protection that's provided. Obviously, it's not a real protection. I'm not doing anything. I'm not his bodyguard from, from point A to point Z. I'm not there making sure that nothing happens to him. But the fact that I show that I'm making an effort to be malava him a little bit 
HaKadosh Baruch and Malachim, the Marshal says, sort of take over the rest of the way. Once you started the mitzvah, now HaKadosh Baruch continues the mitzvah, and he provides protection, he provides angels that are going to protect this person until he gets to his destination. Okay, that's something that, you know, it's hard to argue with that, it's a marshal, it's, you know, it sounds good, we don't know, you know, we're not the key in such things, but that's what the marshal says. But there's a sefer that I saw quoted that does provide something that I think we could wrap our brains around a little better into explaining how important the mitzvah of Levaya is, even if it's a minimal Levaya, what does that do in order to protect a person? I heard it years ago, B'Shem the Maral, but this is, it was quoted in the back of the Masifta from Hamar Shabbatayra. Masifta, by the way, is the greatest set of sarim ever. I mean, I don't know how, who's doing that. You know, I don't know how that set, but it's sort of like, it's one set of sarim, it's a big set of sarim, but it's a set of sarim that it sort of like did away in many respects with like 99% of other sarim. Once you have Masifta, like you have everything there. It, it explains Rashi, it explains Taisis, it goes through all the Yalkut, Mefarshim, and then Halacha, Shmaita, Lib, Dehilchasa, and then Chasid, Everything is in that one volume. It's incredible. It's, it's, it's a crazy safety. But, um, so in the back of the Masifta, I saw, at least I'm honest, most people don't admit that they saw it in the Masifta, but I'll be, I'll be my Dalamis, I saw it in the Masifta. And there's a safer called Hamar Shabbatayra. And in the Sefer Hamar Shabbatayra, he says a, a phenomenal part about the importance of the mitzvah of Lubayah. He says, imagine, and this happened to me once, I remember once I went to a Cheshavah person for Shabbos, and I, I just went to visit him, and he was, uh, you know, we sat and we schmoozed a little bit, and then he had like, a, in the house, there was like steps going down to the front door, you know, like a split level type of house. And he didn't walk me out. He was like, sort of, okay, Kachabas, Kachabas, like, you know, waving me out, like, you know, all right, get out. And I remember walking back to my home, and I felt like very, like, I felt like, you know, something was wrong. I didn't feel good about myself. Like, a guy couldn't, like, walk down a couple of steps and walk me out the door and make me feel like a man. I have to be, like, you know, like, okay, Shabbos, Shabbos, you know, take care. Go, you know, like, don't let the door hit you on the way, you know, uh, you know, on the way out. Like, you know, like, that's, you feel like very, like, you feel like a loser. You feel like it wasn't important enough for that person to go and walk you out and make you, give you a little bit of a VIP treatment. It's a very bad reflection on that person, who, did it, who didn't do that, Levaya, and it gives me a personal sense of the importance of the mitzvah of Levaya, but more so, it made me, like when I was walking back home, I felt like, felt like bad about myself. I felt like, you know, I wasn't even worth him walking down the steps and escorting me a couple of steps out of the house, not because I'm so from and he wasn't the kind of mitzvah of Levaya. Besides from the mitzvah of Levaya, just... Some human being, walk a person out of the door, like make believe that the person is important. And when I was walking home, I was walking probably like with a, like, like sort of like this, you know, like very like mopey. And when a person walks around like that, when you walk around with like a hunched back and a little depressed and a little sad and a little woe is me, so you become very vulnerable to people that want to attack. 
if let's say you're walking, you know, that way, and you're walking on um, in a dangerous area, so people see you. Oh wow, look here, here's a Jew. You know, he's probably not exactly you know so strong to begin with, and he has uh, you know he's walking around like despondent. He looks like uh, he looks like the, he has the weight of the world on his shoulders, and he, he probably has some money in his pocket. Perfect. So there's like a big bullseye on this guy's back. And because of that, he's very prone to being attacked because he feels bad about himself. He feels like a loser. He feels like somebody that's not important. Now let's change the scenario. Let's say instead of that person like waving down to me from the top step, he would have actually walked me out and walked me, let's say, to the corner. I'd feel, wow, he, I'm not a nobody, I'm a somebody. I tra- he treated me very nicely. I feel like a mensch. Now how would I walk? If I walk away from that person, I'm walking out with like, you know, like macho, like I have like, a, you know, with an upright back and a posture and a, you know, I look like I have stolts. I have like, a, I'm a strong, powerful type of person because I feel important. You know, when a person feels important about himself, his posture is erect and he, you know, he walks around much tougher, much more self-assured and self-confident. So the Amarsha Batayra says, that the mitzvah of Levaya is not just a mitzvah, you know, like a chayk that we don't understand. You know, you walk a guy four amas and he's magically protected. When you walk a person four amas or more, you walk him to the Tchum Shabbos, you walk him to Adi Burr you walk him three parsois, you can imagine how good he feels about himself. And now that he's walking around feeling so good about himself that he feels like a mensch, somebody actually took the effort to walk him out, to give him confidence, to make him feel like a somebody, now that's the, it's not a supernatural protection of the, from the elements. It's not a metaphysical concept that we don't really understand, but magically there's some stardust around you that, you know, that protects you from being attacked. It's a very physical, very understandable, rational understanding of why Levaya protects a person, because what you're doing is you're breathing life into that guest. That guest might not have felt so good about himself. Maybe he needed to come on to you for a meal, and that's why, you know, as it is, he's not, he wasn't so, you know, he's not in such a great place in life. But now you, who's an important person, you have a home, you have a table, you have food, and you go and you walk him out, and you make him feel like a mensch, now you don't know what you've done. You have provided him a new sense of importance, and that itself protects him. Because when a person, when a potential attacker sees that there's a guy that's walking with us, you know, he looks like he's got like a, you know, he's got, he's packing heat. Like he looks like he, you know, he's important. He has, he's got some, uh, you know, he's got some tricks up his sleeve. He's not going to just be taken down. He's strong. He's tough. He's self-confident. That's the mitzvah of Levaya, says HaMarsha Batayah. Just to plug this back in to our parsha. Yaakov Avinu was Malava Yosef. The levoy that he gave to Yosef, and the way he explained to him how if you're Malava a person, you're Ene Nizak, that was a levoy that escorted Yosef HaTzadik for 22 long, arduous, tumultuous years. Think about it. Look at all that Yosef had to go through. Yosef was thrown into a pit with snakes and scorpions. And then he was sold as like as chattel. He was sold to like from one person to another. Majanim Afraes in the Mitzrayim, and then he was he went down to Paitifar, 
and he was, uh, you know, he had the whole Maisuadeshis Paitifar. The Gemara says in Saitra that he was about to succumb to Aishis Paitifar, Yesu What happened? What stopped him? At the moment that he was about to give in to his Yetzahara, Hera Lightemus, the Yipne Shalaviv. All of a sudden, an image of Yaakov Avinu appeared by the window and gave him a Musashmuz to tell him, you know, don't do this. You're, you can't do this. If you're, you're, your name is going to, it's supposed to be written on the Abne Ephod, and now it's going to be erased if you, if you're, if you're fighting with Ephod, don't do it. What does that mean that Yaakov's demos appeared to Yasef? Yaakov gave the confidence to Yasef Atzadik throughout all of those years. Because he was Melavahim, because he gave him that feeling of importance, escorting him out, that Levoy escorted him throughout all the years in Mitzrayim, whether he was in jail, whether he was in a pit, whether he was in, in the Beis HaMalchos, whatever came out, whatever came up, it was all because Yaakov was there with him. He was never Nizak Yosef. He was never damaged. He was never harmed. And he was able to have that protection because he felt confidence. Because Yosef Atzadi, you don't become a king by being a Nebuch. Parai, Paitifar, the Saramashkin, they saw something in Yosef. They saw grandeur in Yosef. Why did Yosef feel so good, so special about himself, regardless of what situation he was in? Because Yaakov Avinu was Malavahim. And when he was Malavahim, that gave him that ability to endure anything. Any attacker, any Yitzhahara, any Taiva, I'm safe, I'm protected because I know that Yaakov Avinu considered me to be important and breathed life into me. And that's the mitzvah, that's the mitzvah of Levaya. And just taking it, you know, bringing it a little closer to home, there's mitzvah of Levaya in the, in the practical sense, in the halachic sense, when you have a guest, you have to love him. But there's the mitzvah of levaya in the Musa sense. And that means that on the journey of life, we have an obligation to be malave one another. A parent to a child, a rebbe to a Talmud, a Talmud to a rebbe, a friend to another friend. There's the importance in life of being malave somebody else. When a child, let's say, has the confidence from a parent that they're important and that they believe in them. So then they're able, throughout the journey of life, long after the parent is not even in their lives, after they get married, after the parent was nifter, well, they know. If the parent was able to be malava them in life, was able to give them that confidence that you're important, you're somebody special, that enables that person to go through life on like wings. They're able to soar through life. Yeah, there might be problems, there might be issues, there might be contention, there might be conflict, but I can get through life because my parents gave me that confidence to say that I'm somebody, I'm important, I'm special. There's a great verse from Rav Dessler. I was once speaking by a, by a dinner um, by a local yeshiva dinner, and I, I said this with Dessler. It was right before Purim, 
and I was saying how Rebdesla says that Vayihi Aymen Es Hadasa. Mardukai was Aymen Es Hadasa. He basically adopted her. He brought her up. We know either he was her uncle, he was her father, he was both. Whatever, whatever the Pesukim, whatever the Mefarshim say. But Rebdesla says, what's this lashon of Aymen? Aymen passes and means like uh, like. Um, like a nurse is a lashon of uh, Aymen is a lashon of like the nurse Hadassah, he raised her or if Dessa says no the lashon of Vahi Aymen as Hadassah is he had a Muna in her, he believed in her and every single day he said Esther I believe in you go, now go to school, go to work go, do, go, 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 go on with your day but you should know that I believe in you I love you, I care for you, I believe in you I trust in you and because Mordechai put that emuna in her and instilled in her that confidence that I could do whatever I want, that's how a Yisayma, which was what Esther was, was able to go and be the Malka of 127 nations and save Klai Yisrael for eternity. How did she get this? She was the Yisayim in Ha'avim in aim. How did she have the ability to go and save Klai Yisrael? Normally, if a person's the Yisayim in she was brought up without a mother or father, she'd be bedraggled and she would be like, you know, depressed and like, woe is me. But Marachai Atzadik went and said, I have a moon on you. I believe in you. That was Malaga her throughout her journey in life. That Amuna that he put in her created an atmosphere that she was able to accomplish great things in life. I remember the next morning, I, after that dinner, there was uh, a Rebbitson that came over to me, and she said, I was at the dinner, and uh, I, I was misspelled from that bar, from Rav Dessler. And I started getting nervous that I didn't give my child that, my children that amuna. So I came home late from the dinner, it was like already 12 o'clock at night, my kid was sleeping already, and I went into his room and I woke him up, and I started like grabbing him from his pajamas and I saying, I believe in you, I believe in you. If a person is able to instill belief in a child, that Levoy will last him for his whole life. Like Yasir Atzadik was able to get through life without Yad. Yaakov wasn't with him for 22 years. But look what he was able to do. He went literally from the pit to the highest, to the highest madrega of Malchus. How did he do that? Because Yaakov was Malavim, Yaakov gave him that confidence. I, you're somebody, I'm not just going to let you go. I'm going to walk you, your chashev, like I would a Rosh Hashiva, like I would a king. That's how I'm walking with you. And you know what happened? Yesu became a Rosh Hashiva, Yesu became a king. Because he treated him like a king, that's how he became. A Rebbe to a Talmud, the Gemara says, has to be Malava a Talmud. It's the same Yisayid. Not just physically being Malavahim. But if a Rebbe is doing his job, a Rebbe should be breathing life into a Talmud and making him understand in no uncertain terms that you are Chashuv. That you have the ability to accomplish anything that you want. You just set your sights to something and you can accomplish it. Don't let anyone say that you can't. And a Rebbe that's able to do that, a Rebbe that's able to tell a Talmud that you're great, you're amazing, and that you could do whatever you want, you could publish huge svarim, you could be a Rosh Shiva, you could be a Rebbe, you could be 
a very chashub a business person and give a ton of money to tzedakah. You could be an Erechayid. If a, you have a Rebbe that's malaving you in such a way and gives you the confidence that he's doing his job. And a Chavr to a Chavr. If you have a friend in Yeshiva and you see that he's a little depressed and that he's not really, you know, doing so well, he's floundering a little bit in sheer or he's floundering a little bit in college and he needs help. And you have a choice. You either say, well, yeah, he needs help, but I need to help myself. A lot of times, you know, people come over to me with these ethical quandaries about, you know, chavrusas, and I have a chavrusa, and I, I could learn a little better with somebody else, and should I... You know, obviously, there is an element of chayach you, you are supposed to maximize your own learning. But at the same time, you know, you have to be sensitive to your chavrusa. If your chavrusa... How do you think your chavrusa is going to feel if you just say in the middle of his man you know, sorry, you know, I could get better than you. Doesn't, doesn't feel so good, right? It's our obligation sometimes to go a little bit and to make one another feel special. To make one another feel like I'm you, you're important, you're chashuv. Not saying, you know, that you're Rebbe Vegar, but to me you're chashuv. To me, you're special. You're my chavrusa, and I love you, and I'm going to take care of you. We're going to stick it out, at least until the end of this month. Let's stick it out. And when a person can be malava, his friend, when a person can be malava, a child, a Talmud, a Talmud, by the way, sometimes it also says, a Talmud has to be malava, a Rebbe. A Talmud has achrayas to a Rebbe also. Sometimes a Rebbe is not in such a great position. Sometimes the Rebbe has different nisyanas, different issues that arise in his personal life. And there's challenges. A Talmud, if he's a real Talmud, is sensitive to that and, and helps and cares and gives words of chizuk. Sometimes it's important after a, after a shear, you go to a shear or you go to a shmuz or you go to a, uh, you know, whatever. And, you know, you think like, all right, you know, my Rebbe's my Rebbe. He doesn't need my compliments. He doesn't need to be, you know, he knows that he's good. He knows that he gives a good cheer. He knows that he gets... A Rebbe also needs chizik sometimes. I heard from Rafael Al-Khan, the Badei HaSholchan. I used to dive in a shul. He used to say that, you know, sometimes you read a, I don't know, you read a, a book. Or let's say you're reading, a, I don't know, you read a Jewish newspaper and you, you like, you, you, you like what, uh, what, what a certain writer wrote. And you got some chizik from it. So he said that what he does personally is, he, it's not such a big, this is before the age of the internet. He had to call 311 and find out the author's name, you know, phone number. Then we'd call up this person, wherever the person lived. This is the Badi HaShochan. This is like, you know, tremendous, tremendous Adam Gadol. He'd say, you call up, and if no one answered, you leave a message. Say, your article was terrific. You're safer. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Or I went to your, I heard your shear, and I thought it was gavaldic. It gave me a lot of chizr. Most people don't know he's a rabbi. He doesn't need my comment. He knows he's great. But you'd be shocked to know how much it means for a rabbi to hear that you enjoyed shear that you got from Shir, that you thought it was a good swallow that the Rebbe said. You know, don't tell oh, who am I to go over to my Rebbe and give him compliments. He needs my compliments like a old man. 
believe it or not, your Rebbe does need compliments. I know after my shmuz, everybody's going to come over and say, I love it. But, and that's okay. <laughs> but, not just a, you know, a shmuz on Friday, but let's say just a regular shir on a Wednesday that your Rebbe gives, just one of 150 shirim that he's going to give the whole year. And no one goes over to him at the end of shir. You know how hard it was for your Rebbe to put together that shir? You know how much time it took and how much you know, thinking and, and preparing and planning it took? If nobody goes over and says, Ayashakaya, I enjoyed it, thank you. I really got it. I was wondering about what the, what the Pshat and that Ramam was, and you clarified it perfectly. If you don't do that, the Rebbe's like, what am I doing this for? And then there was once a Rebbe in Yeshiva who was, he's retired, but like, he put a shtickle tire in one of the Yarchanim that we used to put out like these uh, journals that, you know, for Chidushe Tyro. We did it maybe two or three years. And, you know, this rabbi agreed to put in a shtigl taira. For the next year, he didn't put another one in. And I, I went over to him, and somebody else went over to him, and said, like, you know, can you just, it's nice that you contribute, like, the, you know, it would be nice for the Talmudim to have your, a shtigl taira from you. We had, uh, you know, thousands of shtigl taira. Like, it wasn't, there was no shortage of shtigl taira blame. Uh, can you, he says, he says, no, I don't want to do it again this year. I said, why not? He said, because last year I put it in, and not a single person came over to me and said, I read it, or that I enjoyed it. If nobody's reading, what do I need to do it for? Everybody in life needs chizuk. If you think that there are people in life that do not need chizuk, you're wrong. There's no one in life, you could be the President of the United States, you could be a Senator, you could be a Rosh Hashiva, you could be a, you know, a, a billionaire, every single person in life from top to bottom, needs chizr. And that is what the mitzvah of Levaya is. Levaya doesn't merely mean walking the guy out of your house and saying Shabbos to him at the, you know, at the corner. Levaya is much deeper than that. Levaya is giving a person the feeling that I am important and I could accomplish what I need to accomplish in life. On the journey of life, I don't want to go through life like a shlom. I don't want to go through life like a, like a hunchback feeling that the world, the weight of the world is upon me and I can't accomplish anything because nobody told me that I can. A person needs to have the confidence to go through life feeling that I rock the world. I could do whatever it is that takes to be successful in life. I have that within me. That's the mitzvah of Levaya. A Rebbe to a Talmud, a Talmud to a Rebbe, a Chaver to a Chaver, a parent to a child, a child to a parent. Every single person in your world needs chizr. It costs absolutely nothing. The mitzvah of Levaya costs nothing to walk a guy out, out of your house. And giving chizr costs nothing. No one's saying, HaKnosah Zarekham does cost something. It means I have to go to seasons and buy extra chom and extra meat. That, that costs money. The mitzvah of Levaya is free. Chizr is free. It's so cheap to build up another person, to say, boy, I love that tie that you're wearing. You look great. You just got a haircut. It looks really good. What does that cost us when we say that? But do you know what it does when a person is able to hear that somebody noticed that I got a haircut, that somebody noticed that I'm wearing a new suit on Shabbos, that somebody noticed that, you know, that I'm, that I'm learning with Asmada? Does that cost anything? Does it take away from us if we're able to give a compliment to somebody else? It's something that could literally change 
the trajectory of a person's entire existence and his entire life, and it's free. And that is the mitzvah of Lavayim. When he heard, when Yaakov Inu heard this simon Masalam, Egla Arufa, Vatachi Ruach Yaakov Avim. Yaakov Avinu's life became lit up again. He went from being dead to being alive because he knew then that he did what he could as a parent to really affect his child's future. There's no greater nachas than a parent being able to see his child succeed and knowing that I gave him the ingredients for that success. And it all begins and ends with the mitzvah of Levaya. That's why Levaya is, like the Rambam says, it's Yisera, it's the greatest of all chasad that you could do. Levaya? What's so great about Levaya? I go to a hospital Friday afternoon, I visit sick people, I bring them gifts, that's nothing. But walking them out a couple of feet outside of my house, that's the big mitzvah? What's the Rambam talking about? But I think in light of what we're saying, it's very easy to understand. The greatest chesed that a person can do with another person is to be mechazik them, to give them chizik, to know you're important to me. To me, you're important. To me, you're my life. You're my world. You're my universe. I care about you. I love you. I put all of my hopes and my dreams in you. And when a parent understands that that resonated with the child, when a Rebbe understands that that resonated with the Talmud, that is what makes life all worthwhile. Mitzvah Hashem, we should be zeicha to be mekayim this mitzvah of levaya throughout our entire lives, kiyidura, with our friends, with our spouses, with our children, with our grandchildren, with our rabbeim, with our talmidim, with our colleagues, with our co-workers, any person that you're around and that you're able to give chizuk to, sometimes, you know, there's custodians that work on, you know, in the building, you know, and when I have a chance, and when I'm, you know, in the right mood, I tell the person, you know, the floor looks absolutely beautiful. You waxed it amazing. Now, to us, that might seem like not a big accomplishment. But for that person, that's his world. His world is waxing that floor, and everybody's walking on that same floor, and not a single person even was able to recognize that he put work into it, and that he did his job as best as he can, so he's going to say to himself, what do I need this for? What's the point? What's my life for? But when a person is able to give chizah to, to everybody and anybody, if it's a mailman, if it's a guy working in the post office, if it's a guy in, on, uh, that, that's, that's checking, your, checking your bags, a waiter, a pilot, a steward, anyone that you bump into, you say to a person a nice thing, something that gives chizah, that changes that person's day. It changes their perception not just about you and making a Kiddush Hashem, but it changes their perception about themselves. And there's no greater chesed in life than being able to take a person that's perhaps Shivrei Kalim and make him whole again. And that's the ultimate act of chesed. It's the easiest act of chesed, but it's the most vital. And amidst Hashem, hopefully we could take these words and build upon them and figure out ways to change the course of other people's lives around us. And when we do that to other people, about it will, we will be the beneficiaries. It will enlighten our worlds because we will understand how vital our purpose in life is to make other people feel special about their own existence. Have a good chance.